Thanks for tuning in to the Quality is Key podcast, where we focus on improving the quality of your life through powerful stories, top-notch motivation, and real topics. You've got nothing to lose but everything to gain. Enjoy the podcast. How you guys doing today? This is Bobby with the Quality is Key podcast. I'm here with Harris Mimisevic, who is a professional soccer player in Europe. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks, Bobby, for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's an honor to be on this podcast. Um, I'm doing well. Can't wait to get started. Yeah, man. And, you know, from when I first heard about you and heard your story and heard your journey, I mean, dude, it excites me to hear that kind of stuff, to hear that kind of passion. It's really awesome to see people living out their dreams. So I definitely got some questions for you today if you're up for it. Yeah, for sure. I'm up for it. All right. So tell me, you know, a little about about the journey of you becoming a soccer player at 18 years old and what that's been like. Yeah, I mean, ever since I got started, not just when I was 18 years old, you know, ever since I started kicking a ball at a young age, five, six years old, you know, I knew I wanted that to be the rest of my life and for it to be my career. And, you know, I just stayed the track and I worked hard. And at a young age, I knew what I wanted out of my life, and that was to become a professional soccer player. So, you know, I just worked, focused, stayed, um, stayed determined and had my eyes on the prize always. And that was to be a professional soccer player. Now, I think that's really cool, man, and I think it's awesome that you found something that you love to do at such a young age. I mean, did you grow up with a lot of friends that played soccer? Did you kind of have the same group growing up that played soccer with you? I grew up in Europe, and I was born in Germany, so at a young age, I moved to the States, which was around three years old, and, you know, so I grew up in the States, um, moved here and there, and, you know, I changed friends, but, you know... Wherever the soccer ball went, you know, that's where I, I kind of made friends, too. All right, I love that. Wherever the soccer ball went, that's where I made friends. Because, you know, it's like when you find something you're passionate about and you meet people who are passionate about the same thing, you definitely click in that set of way. Uh, and I think that's really awesome. So when can you remember the last time in your earliest stage of your life where you really remember being passionate about soccer? Where you first remember you know, kicking around that ball and thinking, wow, this is amazing. Uh, it's tough to say. I think it was the first time I kicked the ball and, you know, five, six years old. You know, that's a young age to to uh, say this is what you want to do the rest of your life. But, you know, as soon as I kicked that ball, you know, it was like, man, I wish this could be a job. And then later on, I found out that you actually get paid for this. So, you know, I would say five, six years old, I wanted this to be. But, you know, it was kind of like dreaming big, you know, is it going to happen or is it not? And then, you know, eight, nine, ten years old was when I was like, this has got to be my job. Yeah. So talk about how soccer led you through out middle school, high school, you know, up until you were signed. What kind of distractions did you have around you that was kind of clouding your mind or maybe trying to push you away from your true passion of soccer and that you kind of had to overcome to get to that day where you were signed? Um, yeah, there's a lot of distractions, you know, friends, uh, partying, those type of stuff always was a distraction, but f it's a normal distraction for any ordinary person or, you know, it's, it's normal for it to be a distraction. But for me, you know, growing up high school, even middle school, you know, there was those distractions of going out and hanging out with friends, but my ultimate goal was always to play soccer and after school just to continue playing soccer. And, you know, that's where I kind of distance myself away from friends that didn't benefit me at all or people that didn't benefit me all in general, things that didn't benefit me at all, drugs, alcohol, those type of stuff. 
you know, that stuff. I knew that it couldn't benefit me at all in any way in terms of reaching my goals. So, you know, I just kind of stayed where the ball was and uh, kind of worked my way through all the distractions and the difficulties. That's a really good point. And I think, yeah, sometimes it's important to realize that there are a lot of things that really don't necessarily lead you to your goal. And they might be there and, you know, it might be fun for a few nights, but ultimately it's not going to help you long term with your goal. And something that I had on my mind, I was really curious about, did you find it easier to overcome the distractions before you were signed, before you, you know, might think, well, you know, soccer might just be this thing that I'm playing now, but, you know, the, what if the real world hits me and I have to get a job like, you know, work in an office or do whatever? And uh, what kind of thoughts did you have about distractions then compared to after you were signed and you were like, wow, I'm going to make money doing the thing that I love? Well, I mean, there were distractions before and after being signed or signing my first professional contract. I would say it's about even distractions before and after. Before, you know, there was distractions, you know, I wouldn't say school was a distraction because it's important to go to school, you know. Um, God forbid something happens, you know, you have to fall back on, on something. If, you know, soccer isn't a realistic job to have, you know, one in a million they say make it as a professional soccer player. So it's not a realistic job. So, you know, everyone says, you know, you have to have something, a plan B to fall back on, which is usually has to deal with school and stuff like that. So I would say school kind of like put my focus to a different side. You know, it made me think of other things, not just soccer. You know, I had to be think realistic sometimes that, you know, there's a possibility that I can't make it, you know, and I would say that, you know, obviously friends, they had uh, positive distractions and negative distractions. I don't see this distraction just as a negative thing. I see it as also a positive thing. You know, sometimes, you know, you're, you, inter you interact with friends and, you know, you find out that maybe this isn't for you. You know, maybe soccer isn't for you. You know, maybe you're good at something else or maybe you have a different passion that you don't really know about. So um, friends, too. I would say they didn't really have that much of a positive, maybe more of a negative, but, you know, I saw that right away, not right away, but really early that, you know, they're a negative distraction. I don't need them in my life, so I need to make up my mind or get my act together and, you know, get those people out of my life and those distractions out of my life. So also after distractions were, after being signed, were even bigger too. You're essentially a pretty popular person when you're professional. Um, and I still encounter some distractions, you know, hanging out with other people. Um, the club scene is, is, can be a, a distraction. Not, not for me, I would say, but for other professional athletes, um, you know, partying cause you're a public figure. And so people want to be around you. They want to see, be seen around you. So not always when you want to be, uh, when they want to be seen around you is that the, that's the best thing for you, you know, cause Naturally, when people want to be seen around you, they want to be seen where there's a lot of people, usually where parties are, where, you know, where drugs and alcohol can be, can appear. So I, I still encounter those distractions sometimes, but, you know, I, I kind of sit myself to the side and I say, you know, this is not for me. This is not what's going to, in, in the end, help me reach my goals because I still haven't reached my goals. You know, I, I'm a person, player, person, individual that has a lot of goals and I never stop ha uh, setting goals for myself. So um, I know that when I encounter a distraction, I might not see it right away, but I have to sit myself down and, and kind of tell myself, you know, this is this is not for me. There's a there's a longer road of goals that I need to achieve and this is not helping me at all. 
I think that's a good point that you made about even when you were signed, you know, that's a huge goal. And to a lot of people, that might be their finishing product. And they go, well, you know, my goal is to be signed. And then they're signed. What do you do after that? You know, do you just stop setting goals? And it's really important that you mentioned that you have to keep setting goals because how else are you supposed to keep yourself motivated and better yourself as a person, as an athlete, whatever you're doing in life, you got to keep setting goals. So when you were signed, I'm really curious, did it feel kind of like a relief that you were signed? You're like, wow, I made it like this is such a relief. Or did it kind of feel more like there was more pressure on your shoulders and it was kind of becoming more stressful now because now the spotlight was on you. You were expected to do these things that people were looking for. I mean, going back to what you said earlier um, about, you know, when someone reaches their goal, it's kind of that's it. You know, they re- reached it and they, they can fall back now. And I think that's a bad way to look at things, not just as a soccer player or an athlete or just in a, a person in general. You can't as soon as you reach your goal, you can't stop. You can't feel comfortable because as soon as you feel comfortable, that's when the downfall comes because you are accustomed to falling back on something and you you're so sure that you're. You're going to have that for the rest of your life. But as you see, nothing is promised in life and you cannot fall back on anything. You cannot just settle for what you got, what you worked for. You know, you got to work for, for more. And there's always, there's not a finish line. You know, there's all people say there's a finish line and you got to reach the finish line. There's not a finish line. Life is in that never ending thing. Life keeps going. It doesn't wait for anyone. And as soon as you get comfortable where you're at, then that's where the downfall begins. And, Going back to your question, pressure, I wouldn't say it was pressure, it was relief to sign because, you know, I worked so hard, my parents helped me, and not just my parents, my family were a big influence in how I made it or why I made it, and I wouldn't say there was pressure, there was a little pressure, you know, to, to am I going to live up to it, but, you know, as soon as I signed, I knew it's time to get to work, and it's time to prove to everyone that I wasn't signed for no reason, and that it's time to get to work and it's time to prove people that that I'm worthy to play at this level and even higher level because like I said, I, I don't set my goal as just one goal. It's a goal after goal after goal type of thing. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love the way you think, man. And that's, that's really important, I think. So would you say that throughout your entire career playing soccer, do you find yourself being more intrinsically motivated, you know, just by yourself? You motivate yourself and even if people are saying things, you kind of use yourself as a motivator, or do you really find it that external circumstances motivate you, whether it's a game coming up or whether it's, you know, people telling you that you can do something, that you can't do something? Which do you find more motivating, or do you kind of have to have a balance? I don't look for sources of motivation. My motivation is my family. Um, without them, I, like I said, I wouldn't be where I am today. That's my only motive. I don't look for for other sources of motivation, friends, a game, those type of things. My motivation is the same motivation that got me to sign as a professional player. And I keep going. They're my, they're my why as to why I do it. And when I think something is tough and that I can't achieve it, I just look back and I, I think to myself that my family believed me, believed in me up until now, and they'll continue to believe in me. And that's enough motivation, enough strength for me to keep going and to reach for newer and newer heights. That's awesome, man. Uh, that's cool because, you know, your family serves as its own mo- motivation and it seems like it hasn't changed, you know? It seems like it's been that way since the beginning and it's still that way, which really shows a lot about your character. So you spent a lot of time in Europe and um, 
you know, you've played in a lot of different places. Where's your favorite place that you've played so far? Yeah, like you said, I played in a lot of different countries. Um, I would say the nicest place, well, it, it's difficult to say, you know, what's the nicest place and what's the best place to play is the two different things. I think the best place to play would be Germany because, you know, Germany is a power country for, for the sport of soccer and they are always developing newer talent, fresh talent that is, is turning into some of the best players in the world. So the competition is there that, that is there is second to none. But where I like to play the most was in Malta, which is a small island under Italy. Um, there I played in the Premier League. And for me, it was beautiful island, beautiful scenery. The views, the, the football maybe wasn't the soccer, sorry, soccer. We say football in, uh, in Europe. The soccer maybe wasn't the best, but, you know, I was on TV, cameras, and that for me was a dream come true to be able to play on TV, those type of stuff, and play at the highest level. So I, I liked it over there, but I would say in terms of soccer, I think Germany was the best place that I have played and for my development. It's helped me develop so much as a player going into Malta that I was, I was ready I would say more ready than most players and I had that experience of playing in a top level country so that just it only helped me. So I have to imagine you've been eating you know a lot of the different food dishes around uh, the area so I'm a foodie I love uh, traveling around and I love eating all the different kinds of food tasting you know uh, what's different in every country because every country's got their own specialty so what's been your favorite dish so far? Uh, That's a difficult question. You know, as a professional athlete, you have to obviously watch what you eat. You can't always have the the tastiest foods or the or any food that you want on the on the menu. So, what my go to meal was always spaghetti bolognese, but different. Like I I see well spaghetti bolognese. If people don't know, is regular spaghetti and and meat. But I feel like in Europe, they the food is much healthier, so you can taste the difference between spaghetti pasta here and pasta over there. Um, so pasta was, is one of my go-to dishes. Um, I'm a big fish eater in Malta was all seafood. So fish is salmon, those type of stuff. Tuna, I like salads. I like all kinds of salads, you know? So not just cause I have to eat the healthy stuff. I kind of like it. I feel good when I eat healthy as opposed to eating non-healthy. So those type of foods is my go-to meals and it's what helps me as a player too. That's awesome, man. No, I'm the same way. I agree with you completely, I think. And you you seem pretty simple with your meals, you know. Um, you do kind of have to keep it healthy and clean eating when you're definitely trying to get performance-based. But, you know, it doesn't all have to be plain, you know. Uh, as you know, probably, you know, healthy eating can be really good and really delicious. And, I mean, you just kind of have to look for variety. So take me in the day, you know, it's let's say it's game day. You're waking up. What's What's a day like for you? On game day. And I have to imagine it's pretty intense. So go through the process there from the moment you wake up. Well, I like to wake up pretty early. Uh, It depends. We have games in the afternoons and then we have night games. Depends If we play on Friday, then it's a night game. If we play on the weekend, Saturday or Sunday, it's always an afternoon game. So about 2.45, 3 o'clock kickoff. I like to wake up early, you know, get a good breakfast and some protein, carbohydrates. I like to have my breakfast to be big, so... I like to monitor or balance my breakfast as big and then lunch is a little less and then 
I wouldn't even say I eat a, a dinner on a Saturday or Sunday game. It's kind of just snacking all the way up to a game. Friday night games, you know, it's a night game, so I would eat a big meal and then a smaller lunch and then a light dinner slash couple snacks. And um, But I wake up, eat a breakfast, you know, check social media, those type of stuff, maybe go for a walk, go for coffee. I mean, in Europe, it's, it's big to go to coffee shops and just relax, sightsee, people watch, those type of stuff. So go over there, then... Um, Usually we're supposed to be at our uh, the facility where the game is. If it's a home game, two hours before. If it's an away game, we obviously come a little earlier to travel to the game. So if it's a home game, we, two hours before, you know, get your massages, get your taped up if you need anything taped up. You know, walk on the field a little bit. You know, get in the get in the zone for the game. Then it's warm up time. Get ready. You know, get mentally focused, and then game time hits, and then ninety minutes of hard hardcore soccer, and then. Um, you know, depending on if the game was good or bad, you know, that's what the tone of the mood is. If, you know, obviously if we lose, it's the rest of the day is pretty much not good. But if the, if the, if we win a game, then, you know, obviously the mood is good, you know, celebrations after the game, those type of stuff. So then we just, you know, we go our separate ways. If we win, we stay after, you know, uh, go to a restaurant or the team restaurant and we kind of just celebrate with the fans, those type of stuff. Then stay about two, three hours and then we go home you know, rest a little bit, maybe eat a dinner. We should, there's stressed up to us that we should eat a good meal with a lot of carbohydrates after to kind of refuel um, and rebuild the tissues that were, that were used in the, the game. And then, you know, get a good night's rest. Some people go out and, you know, obviously we're, we have curfews, so we're not allowed out all night, but we go out for a little bit maybe and, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the win. And then, it's time to hit the bed. Next day is always a usually a recovery day, so it's a light jog with the team, maybe some stretches, and then hit the pools, sauna, and then um, the day after after recovery is back to work. Sounds like a very you know solid plan for success during games. You know, obviously, got to have that recovery day. You talked about being in the zone when you step out into that field, and uh, a lot of this podcast is about distractions and the types of distractions. You know, we talked about distractions, kind of just general distractions, you know, from a day-to-day basis. But what are those distractions when you step out into the field? You know, you have to get yourself amped up. You got to get yourself in the zone. You got to be focused. You have this crowd either rooting for you or rooting against you. I mean, what's your zone like? How do you get yourself in the zone on the field and working against some of the distractions there? I think most soccer players, not just me, will tell you that there's no zone. You just zone out. You know, you cancel everything out that's in front of you or in your ears in front of you. You you cancel everything out. It's just you and your teammates and the ball and getting that win. You don't focus on who's in the crowd, who's watching you, who's against you, those type of stuff. The pressure your opponents, you know, as as soon as you start looking at your opponents, are they better, are they worse than you, then, you know, that's how your game will be. You know, you just... Don't worry about anything that's in front of you. Just go out, play your best, focus on you, focus on giving the best for your teammates, fighting for your teammates, and getting the win because that's the most important is to win. Just canceling everything out, you know, obviously you have that pressure going onto the field, but I think you just need to cancel everything out and, and do what you need to do, and that's get the win. Now, this may be a tough question, and maybe it's something that you haven't even thought about maybe for you know, many years, and it probably most likely isn't something that you've thought about for many, many years. But uh, if you hadn't gone into a professional soccer career, what do you think you would have liked to do? 
I've actually gotten asked that question a couple of times. And it's always difficult. I feel like it's more and more difficult the more and more people ask me. The way it is, is my, my love for, for this game is second to none. You know, as every professional soccer player, they love what they do. And they can't see themselves doing anything else. But if I had to, God forbid, I got injured or something happened in, in which, or I never got to that level, um, something that I would lean towards is coaching. You know, I love being around people, especially kids. Um, I love helping them in any way I could. So I think coaching would be something that I would go, would have gone into. And I have, I am slowly getting into that and transitioning, you know, um, doing it on the side, doing my coaching licenses and coaching here and there, doing some private sessions for kids. Um, so that's something that I would have done if I didn't make it professional. And that's something that I will do when I retire one day from playing. That's a good way to give back. It's a good way to still follow your passion and help people follow in the same footpath that you did. I'm sure you've been affecting a lot of these kids' lives in a very positive way. And I think that's really awesome. So for the people that are listening who, you know, maybe some have a passion for soccer, some have a passion for another sport, maybe some have a passion for music, some have a passion for something else, what kind of advice can you lend them uh, for people that haven't quite reached that level yet and maybe they're heading on their direction to doing something they love and, you know, they're working really hard, but they haven't quite hit that level of, yes, I've made it. Like, this is, it gets better from here. What kind of advice do you have on people avoiding, you know, the outside distractions and kind of staying focused to their goals and accomplishing them? Well, the best advice I could give them is never give up, obviously. Stay on track, stay the course. You know, if it's really something that you want, then you'll find a way. You'll find a way to make it, even if everyone tells you, even if a hundred people in front of you say you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it. This isn't for you. You got to tell them that it is for me, and this is what I want to do. And never stop believing. You know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And you have to, you have to stay the track. You have to stay focused. Be disciplined. Have faith that you are able to do this. Without faith and confidence and and believing, it's not possible. No matter how talented you, talented you are. Without those things, you, you cannot make it and you just have to be those, have those things, be confident, believe in yourself, keep working. You know, it's not, it's not easy. Not every day is going to be sunshine and rainbows for you. So you have to keep working, stay the, stay the, stay the course and keep believing that, that this is for you and that you can make something out of yourself as an individual. What do you do? Is there anything that you personally do, um, to stay positive? Maybe when you think things aren't going so well or maybe before, you know, you were signed. Were there any things that you kind of kept positive in your head? Like, yes, I can do this, even though things seem rough right now, even though things are not going so well, or this is happening, or maybe you sustained an injury. You kind of, you know, had these thoughts in your head or a certain way of thinking. Well, I mean, obviously you you deal those with, with those type of things. I, the way I see it is God gave us all abilities to do something. And for everything negative thing that we have, there's a story behind it, someone has already went through it, say an injury, something bad happening in their life. Everyone has been through it. And then there's people that, that have succeeded after those hardships. So, you know, I kind of look at that as say, you know, there's someone that's been, that, that has been in my shoes before and they've been successful. They've overcome those, those hardships. And I always think to myself, if someone else could do it, that has the same things in front of them, same abilities that God has given them, then you know, why can't I do it? You know, so that's what I always keep in my mind that if someone else could be through those hardships, then why can't I? 
Thanks, man. Yeah, I always love hearing your story, and I love having you on my show. Uh, that was Harris Memisevich. Thank you so much for having me, Bobby. Great to have you on the show, man. Harris Memisevich. If you want to keep up to date with Harris, follow him on Instagram at H-A-R-I-S-M-E-M-I-S-E-V-I-C dot 11. Also, for exclusive podcast footage, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Freakin' Bobs. That's at F-R-E-A-K-I-N-B-O-B-S. Please don't forget to head over to iTunes, leave me a five-star review, and let me know what you would like to see on future episodes. I will talk to everyone soon.